The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we've mentioned a couple of times now, this is the uh, festival of the baptism of our Lord. It's a minor uh, but very important festival in the church here. Um, it marks the beginning of Jesus' public ministry when he's baptized in the River Jordan by John. So it's only, what is it, January 7th. So we have come a long way from his birth at Christmas. Jesus grows up very quickly uh, in the church here. He's no longer an infant. He's an adult getting ready for his, his um, public ministry. This is a, a momentous, profoundly important moment in uh, Jesus' life. And it's also a really important moment in the life of St. Philip the Deacon every year uh, for a number of reasons. One, we get to remember our own baptisms, uh, which we did, among other things, in the confession. We also celebrate and remember all those who have been baptized in this past year here at St. Philip Deacon. But maybe most uh, importantly, this is the beginning of a week when we focus on our ninth graders. Um, we blessed them in, in all services this weekend. We have a prayer over our ninth graders in all of our, our weekend services. And then in the middle of this week, we have something called the Rite of Passage. Uh, and then on Saturday at 11 and 2, we have two special services for the rite of affirmation of baptism or the rite of confirmation. Um, so we have a lot of extra things this week, a lot of special services, and you, you may have noticed both of the, the services related to confirmation begin with that word rite, uh, which is connected to the word ritual. And I got to thinking about that word, and it's occurred to me that over the years, uh, a number of people have, have asked me, not, they tend not to be people who are members of the church, but maybe people outside of the church, what's with all of the rituals uh, in church? Why do you need to do all of those ritual things? Why don't you just talk about um, what you believe? And the rituals, they, I think, assume are sort of added on, they're superfluous, they're extraneous. Or they think, well, you know, Tim, we live in 2018. Yesterday I thought we still lived in 2017 because it still takes me a while to turn the page on the calendar. But we live in 2018, we have iPhones, you know, rituals are so medieval. Why do you need rituals? And so I want to talk a little about that this morning. And I want to make the case that as human beings, we are wired, I think, for ritual. Ritual helps us understand 
who we are, uh, where we come from, where we're going. And I don't think as members of the church, we should be apologetic or defensive whatsoever about the fact that we convey meaning through ritual. In fact, again, I think as human beings, that's one of the ways we receive meaning. And I'm gonna make this case using things that have nothing to do with our life in church. And we could be here a long time uh, listing ways that we participate in rituals in our daily life. I will lift up just a few simple examples. And when I, when I mention these, you may not think of what occurs at moments like these as rituals, but I am convinced absolutely that they are. So let's start with something very simple. Birthdays. In our culture, birthdays are filled with rituals. There are, among other things, cakes and candles and cards and presents, right? And maybe if you're younger, maybe if you're older, parties. Um, we just actually sang happy birthday to Roger Butler in the Fellowship Hall after last service. He just turned 90, so if you know Roger, uh, please uh, send him a card or give him a call or wish him happy birthday tomorrow. Uh, so birthdays are one way we celebrate rituals. I think about the holiday season we just came through, and again, not at all connected to what happens here in this place, but in our own lives. Christmas, does anyone have a Christmas tree? Um, I, my wife and I were at someone's house this uh, Christmas season who I think it was, they had 16, 16 Christmas trees. Can anyone beat that? Was that a yes? Oh my gosh, all right. Not all of them were big to be fair, but they had 16 and we have ornaments and we have presents and meals, right? And gathering with family, all kinds of rituals associated with Christmas, New Year's. Uh, we get together with friends, we watch the ball drop, we count down from midnight. Does anyone sing Old Lang Syne? Oh, some people do? All right. I thought that was just in the movies, but okay. Um, Fourth of July, a big civic ritual. We get together in big public spaces, we listen to concerts, right? We have the fireworks, a uh, huge ritual there. Um, and rituals are not only associated with moments in time, they're also associated with places. And the one that comes to mind, maybe most obviously for me, is Arlington National Cemetery. Has anyone been to Arlington? And the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, right? I mean, the changing of the guard there is filled with what? With ritual. And we could go on and on. Retirements, um, funerals, weddings, graduation are all um, surrounded by ritual. And the point I want to make is that the meet, there's not sort of the event, and then you add on ritual, Ritual becomes part of the event, and without the ritual, the event doesn't make sense. And if you don't believe me, I challenge you to ask any five-year-old for their birthday if they want to do away with presents or cake or candles. That is the event. And so the, the event becomes wrapped, uh, and the meaning is wrapped in those rituals, and very, very importantly, the way the meaning of those events or those places are handed on in time uh, from generation to generation is through those rituals. That's one of the things rituals allow us, they do, allow us to do. They allow us to sort of touch and feel and, and experience the meaning of things. So if that's true, then what is the meaning that we are passing on through baptism? And to get to that, um, it's helpful to look at the gospel for today. In the very end, again, this is the baptism of Jesus. And at the end of this baptism, and again, I, do, I believe this was a powerful, uh, transformative moment in Jesus' life. And as the baptism is coming to an end, these famous words are spoken to Jesus. Jesus hears his Father, uh, his God, saying this, You are my Son, the Beloved. 
with you I am well pleased. So in this baptism, Jesus receives the acceptance, the affirmation, the love of God. And then Jesus is sent out for the rest of his ministry to extend that same acceptance, that same affirmation, that same love to the people he meets by healing them, by serving them, by freeing them from sins, um, and so forth. And here's the important thing for us. At the end of his ministry, Jesus doesn't sort of suggest, he doesn't recommend, he doesn't say it might be a good idea. No, he commands, he commands that if we are going to follow him in his footsteps, if we are going to gather in his name, that we also baptize one another. And this week, Uh, as we celebrate our own baptisms, as we give thanks for the baptisms that have happened this past year, and as we celebrate with our ninth graders in all kinds of rituals um, the affirmation of their baptisms, I pray that God will open our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears to the same truth that Jesus experienced at his baptism, that we are beloved children, that you are a beloved son, you are a beloved daughter of a God who will never forget you, And importantly, that that God has work for us to do as we extend that love to a world in need. Amen.